taking care of all our trials. Joshua chapter number 23 this evening. We're going to start here. We've got a number of passages we're going to look at tonight. I want to ask you this question by way of introduction. Is every form of disobedience rooted in a stubborn, rebellious heart? Got your brain thinking here just a little bit. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever done something, let me just say it this way, have you ever disobeyed the Lord? We all say yes. Have you ever disobeyed the Lord when it comes to this matter of telling people about Jesus? We all have. Was it rooted in a stubborn hatred Rebellion? No, probably not. I think there are true and genuine Christian people that love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind, but sometimes have a hard time when it comes to reaching, teaching, and ministering to people because of fear. Last week we looked at a vision for God using us in 2024. God wants to use us to reach people with the gospel. We all know that you could preach it just as much as I could preach it. We know that God wants us to disciple people and minister to people. But let's just park just for a minute on the aspect of reaching people with the gospel. Think about last year, 2023. How many people... Were you able to give gospel tracts to? How many people we start broad? Let me even start broader than that. How many unsaved people did you find yourself praying for? How many people were you able to give gospel tracts to? How many opportunities did you have to go through the gospel and witness to somebody? We could say it this way. If your neighbor's house was on fire and you knew they were in there, you would be screaming and hollering. You'd do everything you can to try to call the ambulance. You'd do everything you can to get them out of that. And there are people that are on their way to a crisis eternity in hell. And we think about what we're doing to reach them with the gospel. Think about how many people were you able to take the gospel and, and see, trust Christ as Savior. Now, obviously that's God. God has to cause them to see their need and trust Christ. But I am responsible to be the witness, right? I'm responsible to give the tracts and to say, hey, can I show you how you know you're on your way to heaven? When we think about our own lives, when it comes to this matter of reaching people with the gospel, I don't think the big issue with Victory Baptist Church is rebellion. <laughs> I don't think, I think every time we talk about giving the gospel, there are knots. When we talk about, hey, this person trusted Christ as Savior, they were on their way to hell, they recognized Jesus died on the cross for their sin. They placed their faith and trust in him, and he got saved. Many amens come. Amen, 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 amen. I don't think the issue in a church like ours, when it comes to reaching, teaching, and ministering to people, is rebellion. I'm not doing it because I don't want to do it. I think the issue, though, sometimes lies with this matter of fear. In Joshua chapter number 23... Joshua is the latter end of his ministry, and he encourages the people, and I want you to see tonight 
there's a link between courage and doing what's right. In Joshua chapter 23, he gathers the people together. Verse number 1, came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from their enemies round about. The Joshua waxed old, he's stricken in age. And he calls for Israel and the elders and the heads and their judges, their officers. And he says, I'm old, I'm stricken in age, I'm about to die. You've seen what the Lord has done and what the Lord can do. I want to call your attention to a verse, verse number 6, which is where we get started here tonight. Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that you turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left. Why did he challenge them to be courageous and to be obedient at the same time. Because it takes courage to do the right thing. It takes courage to do the right thing in the midst of others that are doing wrong. As a matter of fact, in 1 Chronicles chapter number 28 and verse number 20, we find a similar challenge. David says to Solomon, his son, David's about to die. He's passing the baton off to Solomon, his son. And he says, be strong and of a good courage and do it. Do what? Do what God wants you to do. Continue and build the temple. And then he says, God will be with you. He'll not fail you until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Solomon, there is a link between doing what is right and being courageous about it. We need courage to do what's right. It takes courage to do the right thing. First Chronicles chapter, Second Chronicles chapter number 15 and verse number 8 and when Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of the land of Judah and Benjamin. You see, when he recognized these idols are in disobedience to God, these idols do not please God, I am going to have courage to do what's right and to get rid of these idols. In Ezra chapter number 10 and verse number 4, Ezra was challenged, Arise, for this matter belongeth unto thee. We also will be with thee. Be of good courage and do it. There is a link between doing right and courage. And I'm convinced that why some, you know, everything's rooted in unbelief. Every sin really is rooted in unbelief. And I'm convinced that sometimes the reason why we do not witness like we ought to isn't because there's not a heart for the Lord. We sing, give me a passion for souls, dear Lord. But when I get out into the highways and byways, it takes courage for me to say to someone, do you know for sure if you were to die today that your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven? It takes courage for me to say, God said, not me, God said, except a man be born again, he'll not see the kingdom of God. And in order for you to go to heaven, you don't want to go to hell. But except a man be born again, he, it takes courage to, sell, to say to somebody, hey, you know what? If you don't trust Christ as Savior, you're going to go to hell. That reminds me of a story. When I was brand new in ministry, 
and uh, I had some teenagers, and there was a bunch of them. We had had a youth uh, activity, a youth rally, and I was just preaching away. And I was trying to help these unsaved kids to see that they need Jesus. And uh, I said this, and I'll, I'll kind of try to paraphrase, but you'll get the gist of it. I said, if you don't trust Christ as Savior, God's going to look at you in that day, and God's going to say, and I just said it, go to, and here's this bus kids, and he goes, ooh, you know, like I cussed, you know. And I said, what? well, that's exactly what God's going to say. <laughs> it takes courage to tell people Jesus saves. And I'm convinced that if we are going to make the impact that God wants us to make in 2024, we're going to need to be people of courage. And so tonight, I want to give you a few thoughts to help us when it comes to this matter of lacking courage. You may say here tonight, you know what? Yeah, that's me. Sometimes I get up there and I try and I just don't know what to say. Well, I trust that we're going to take the Word of God and we're going to try to help you tonight with this matter of courage. So I want you to turn, first of all, to Joshua chapter number 1. Joshua chapter number 1. And I want to give you three thoughts here tonight. This morning, I gave them to you all at once, and maybe I'll do that tonight. Uh, I'll give them to you. Number, number one, if I lack courage, make sure you have the right priority. Number two, the right perspective. And number three, the right people, all right? Joshua chapter number one is where we're going to focus for a few minutes on the right priority. In Joshua chapter one, Moses had died. The scripture says, after the death of Moses, the Lord comes to Joshua, and the Lord says to Joshua, Joshua, it is your turn. Moses, my servant, is dead. Arise, go over this Jordan, thou and this people, unto the land which I do give unto them, even to the children of Israel. Number one, the right priority is about fulfilling God's purpose. Arise, Joshua, and you're taking over for Moses, and I want you to lead my people into the promised land. Think for just for a minute what God wants us to do. Do you know, we talk about telling people about Jesus, but do you know uh, one of the main reasons we're here is to tell people about Jesus, to let our light shine. Why did Jesus come? Luke 19 says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus said, hey, I have come, not that you might, that you might be fishers of men. God wants all of us to reach people with the gospel. And of course, as we think about ministry, we can add teaching and we can add ministry in there as well. God's purpose. You see, yeah, but God has called me to do this. That's great. And he's called you as a vocation to mow grass or to be a plumber or to be a doc, whatever. God has called you to do that. But in that calling, God has put you there to let your light shine to help people to see their need for Jesus Christ. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so uh, the right priority, number one, is about fulfilling God's purpose. But continue to look in Joshua chapter 1. I want you to see the right priority is also about believing God's promise, believing what God said. God doesn't say to Joshua, just go do it. He gives him some promises. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you, as I said unto Moses. And then he says, from the wilderness, Lebanon, Euphrates, land of the Hittites. Look at verse number 5. There shall not 
any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. All the days of thy life. Verse 6, be strong and of a good courage. And you see that be strong and of a good courage throughout this. God says this, I've got a purpose for you, but behind my purpose, I'm going to give you some promises. And I promise you, Joshua, that you will win. I promise you, Joshua, that every battle you will fight, you will win. Now, they lose the one at Ai because of sin in the camp. That kind of distresses Joshua. And God says, quit, quit praying, get up, and deal with the sin in the camp. But the reality is, back of God's uh, uh, commands is God's promise. You know what God promises us when it comes to this matter of reaching people? The harvest truly is plenteous. You say, what does that mean? That means there's a lot of people that need Jesus. Jesus told the disciples, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. There's people that are ready to trust Christ as Savior. And if we'll go out and we'll communicate truth, God has to do the saving work, and he'll do it. You see, we've got God's promises. God's promise. Uh, look at number, number three here. I want you to look at verse number three. As I, no, no that's, not, that's not the verse. Verse five. As I was with Moses. Where's that verse? It's somewhere in here. Yeah, there it is, right in the middle of verse five. As I was with Moses, I will be with thee. Number three, let me explain before you go, what? Number three is accepting God's presence. Now, I know when you get saved, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God moves in. The Bible says in Romans 8, 9, if any man have not the Spirit of his, he, uh, any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The Holy Spirit of God moves in. Hebrews 13 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a great, what a great promise. Do you know everywhere you go, God goes with you. It's interesting, when you look at the Great Commission there, Matthew 28, he says this, And lo, I am with you always. That is connected to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. God's presence is with us. But the question we have this, and this is why I phrased it the way I did, accepting God's presence. How often do we live in the awareness of God's presence? You see, everybody knew how God was with Moses. That's why God says to Joshua, as I was with Moses. Ten Commandments, uh, interceding for God's people uh, face to face. We think about uh, the Red Sea. We think about how God's presence was manifested there uh, to Moses. Hey, God says, I am with thee. Uh, uh, look at verse number, uh, let's see here, verse number nine. Uh, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Joshua, look, I'm going to, my purpose for you is for you to go in the promised land. I promise you this, that my power is going to be right there with you and that you are going to win. All right? I am going to go with you all the way. Now think about this. Our problem sometimes is that our priorities are out of whack. What's more important? Telling people about Jesus or people thinking that we're cool. You see, the reality is, in America, by the way, we don't have to worry about someone shooting us. And uh, uh, when you look at the New Testament, or when somebody got baptized, they identified with Jesus Christ. It's like a target was put on them. And people would recognize, hey, that guy is a Christian. He, is, he bears the name of Christ. 
you know, we have it pretty easy. We really do have it pretty easy here. When it comes to this matter of fear, I don't think our fear is about somebody shooting us. I think our fear is about what they might think of us, or we might have a little bit of fear that we're going to mess up. Do you know you can't mess up unless you tell somebody they have to work their way to heaven? You know you trusted Christ as Savior. Jesus died. He paid my sin penalty. I just need to tell them what Jesus did. Hey, do you know sometimes I just take a gospel track and I just walk them through the gospel track. Now, if you wear glasses and you're going to walk them through this track, you better have them with you. Been there, done that, tried. All right. Uh, the Bible says here, let me just show you here. And, uh, but the reality is you can just take them through a gospel track. You see, our fear is more centered in self and what people think about us. And we need to get our priorities in line. You see, when I'm doing something for somebody that's important, I remember as a kid, my dad would say, hey, you can go up to the store. He'd give me the jug. I asked my wife, you sure? That's what you Let me take a picture of it. And when I was a kid, we'd go up and say, hey, go get whatever. And I'd go get the wrong thing. And so he learned, here, take this and go up to the store and, and get one. Well, we had these corner stores in the city, you know, on every corner had all these stores. You know, we didn't walk to the giant or whatever. Uh, we had a path mark that was a little ways away. And he went and go up there and I said, do you have one of these? Give me one of those, and I come back. Here you go, Dad. I got this. You see, when I am living for my Heavenly Father, when my priorities, it's not about God's promises. It's not about God's presence. It's not about God's power here. The Bible says this, and ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. God took care of everything. He took care of everything we need to be the witness that God wants us to be. Question, why do we have such a hard time? I could be wrong. Maybe in some people you say, you know what, that's not me and I'm not doing it. I don't think that really is the heart cry of the masses. I really think it boils down to, you know what, I'm a little bit afraid. It's interesting when you look at, we don't have time to get into this because i got two more thoughts here for you tonight. But let's study the Bible. Look at Gideon. Gideon was kind of fearful, wasn't he? Look at Saul. Saul stood above everybody else. Where's Saul? Yo, Saul. He's hiding behind the bushes over here. Hey, get him out. Get him out of the bushes. You know, when you look at some of these servants that we look in the Word of God and say, wow, that guy was, you know what? They struggled with the same thing we struggle with. Fear. Be strong and of a good courage. We don't need to fear. Now, look, if you're out doing your own thing out, out, outside of God's will, out of, the, you know, out of the umbrella of God, you've got reason to be fearful because you're not doing what God wants. But you know what? If we're in the center of God's will and we are going out and we're doing what God has called, hey, we might face resistance. We might face people to say, I think Brother Brown and I were out no, months ago. Was I with you when they, the lady came out of the, of the apartment and said, hey, you can't do that here. Go get all those off. I think I was with you, remember? And uh, we was like, ah, she's just in a bad mood today. You know, we aren't going to worry about it. <laughs> we usually leave to a different section. You know what I'm saying? But the reality is people might do. But look, we're on business for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hey, we have the greatest news of all. Jesus saves. And God deals with Joshua's fear a number of times by saying, be strong and of a good courage, verse 6. Verse 7, be strong 
and very courageous. By the way, isn't it linked? Isn't it interesting? Verse 7 links courage with observing to do according to all the law. You see, it takes courage to say to somebody, I'm not doing that. You can go to that party. I'm not doing that. You can watch that movie. I'm not doing that. You can drink that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm going to take a stand for the Lord. And it takes courage to say to somebody, hey, you know what? In a nice, loving way, if you don't trust Christ as Savior, you're going to burn in hell. And I love you, and I don't want you to do that. Courage. Number two, it's about our priority. Number two, I want to talk a little bit about the right perspective. And I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 21, the book of Numbers chapter 21. And I want us to see sometimes what can cause us to be discouraged. Numbers 21, verse 1. And when King Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. Numbers 21, verse 1. I'm about to read verse 2 now. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Warm. All right, they got see God deliver. That's a nice thing. And the Bible says this in verse 4, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. The way sometimes can be challenging. Sometimes we get our eyes off of our purpose. Sometimes the way can be rough. Hey, we said this morning, man that is born of woman is a few days full of... We all have troubles. We all have challenges. And sometimes my perspective can change from the eternal to the temporal. We're here in the nasty now and now. And we're supposed to live, the songwriter said, with eternity's values in view. Paul wrote to the church at Colossae there, and he said, If you then, or since you are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things which are above, and not on things on the earth, right? For you are hidden in, in, in with Christ, right? The reality is this, we live in the here and now, but really, uh, this world's not our home. If you trusted Christ as Savior, we're just passing through. Our treasures ought to be laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And our perspective can change. The children of Israel, their perspective changed because they got their eyes on the way. Hey, they had some, uh, uh, some travels. Hey, they had some needs. Look at verse number 5, and I'll give you uh, the right perspective uh, about the way is to know God's protection. Verse 3, God protected them there from the Canaanites. He delivered them. And we've got to recognize that God will take care of us on the way. He'll protect us. Jesus led me all the way, the songwriter said, right? He led me all the way. And we've got to, the way to keep our perspective on eternal things is to recognize that when the way is hard, God will protect me. And you look at verse number 5, what are they complaining about? They're complaining about God's provision. And if I'm going to have the right perspective, I need to recognize that God will provide, He'll meet my needs. Look at verse 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses, 
By the way, you see that. It's not just speaking against Moses. They're speaking against God. Scripture makes that clear. Wherefore have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. Is there bread or not bread? I mean, you said there's no bread, but then you're saying we hate this light bread, this manna. You see, they're, they're focused on things that they think they need. My God shall supply all my need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If there's something you need, God has promised you, you'll have it. So if you think there's something in your life you need, you seek God and say, God, this is your word. I believe that this would help me in fulfilling your will. This is a need in my life. I'm asking you to meet the need. If God doesn't give it to you, then you don't really need it. Sometimes I think our greatest need is to be in need. It's not the thing that we think we need. It's to be in need. Because when I'm in need, then I'm going to cry out to the Lord. And when the way gets challenging and the way gets rough, we have to recognize that God promises that he will provide. He will take care of us. The devil will do everything he can to get us distracted in life. Doesn't life take time? <laughs> I mean, you ever set out to do something and you're like, where in the world did the day go? Just living, just trying to... The devil will do everything he can to get us focused on the way and the difficulties and the challenge just with making ends meet or whatever. But God has promised he'll take care of that. And if I'll keep the right perspective and recognize I'm not here to be rich per se, I'm here to serve God. I'm not here to, uh, to have a comfortable life. By the way, when we start complaining about our comforts, look at how some of the people had to live here in the Word of God. And uh, you'll say, okay, I've got it good here in America. A lot of countries don't have it like we have it. Hey, our perspective needs to change. And we need to let God provide. Our right priority is what? Doing what God wants. And recognize this, God wants all of us to be soul winners. Say, even me? Mm-hmm. But, but you don't understand. I, I don't, I know, I don't understand, but God does. See, but I, I'm kind of, um, I, I kind of get, God understands all of it. But he's called all of us to do it. When we get a hold of his purpose, we say, okay, I got to let him do, I'm going to do what he wants. I'm going to have the right perspective about this world. Number three, I found an interesting verse I was reading and I want you to turn to Numbers 32. And I want to give you a third thought, and that is to have the right people. Surround yourself with people that believe God. Surround yourself with people that will encourage you in two ways. They'll encourage you with God's plan for your life. And they'll encourage you with the right picture of God, who God is. Look at Numbers 14. Where am I? I'm in Numbers 32. Is that where I need to be? Numbers 32? Numbers 32. All right, let's see here. But I think I need to turn to Numbers 14. So let me go here, too. I got both passages. Uh, let's go here, Numbers 14. All right, let's start with Numbers 32, 6 and 7. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, He's making reference to Numbers 14. 
Shall your brethren go to war, and shall you sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? Verse 9, For when they went up unto the valley of Eschol and saw the land, they discouraged the hearts of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. If you go back now to Numbers 14, you'll see the story here. But what do we have? We have individuals discouraging other individuals. God's plan for the children of Israel was for them to get to the promised land. They sent in the spies. Ten were bad. Two were good. And two come back, believing God, and ten come back, not believing God. And the ten affected two things when it comes to uh, uh, God. Numbers 14 and verse 2. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would God we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Number one, God's plan stinks. That's what they're saying. You know, God had us go from Egypt, and now we're here, and this is terrible. God, His will is good and perfect and acceptable. The book of Romans tells us. God does not promise that in the center of His will we won't have challenges. They come back and they say, what God has asked us to do was bad. The plan of God was bad. But then they go a step further, and they attack the character of God. Verse 3, Wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? God wants to kill us. God's out to get us. I'll tell you this, Numbers 32, basically, these people discourage the other people from doing what God wants them to do. Practical people have to be careful. Because when I only think humanly and think practically, I can talk people right out of the will of God that God's calling them to do something by faith. Sometimes the things that God asks us to do don't make human sense. But God's able we need to surround ourselves with individuals that will believe God. That will say, you know what? Yeah, there's giants in the land. Joshua and Caleb. Hey, they believe God. Yeah, there's giants in the land, but God is able. Look at, look at verse number uh, uh, 7. And they spake unto the company of chapter 14 of the book of Numbers. And they spake unto the company of the children of Egypt, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is a good land. If the Lord delight in us, he'll bring us into this land and give us a land which flows with milk and honey. Hey, God is able to do it. But the masses listen to the ten. It's important for us to surround ourselves with people that believe God. I've told this story before. I remember years ago talking to a youth pastor that was in charge of visitation in his church. and He said they sent a couple guys out, and these guys came back. They had a, nobody was home, didn't have a good experience uh, out telling people about Jesus. And they came back, and they took the visitor cards, and they threw them on the table, and they said, this doesn't work. We're not doing this anymore. We have op- we, sometimes we have times like that. People slam the door in your face. People tell you, but you know what? 
We don't need individuals like the children of Israel to say, hey, God's plan's dumb. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Or even yet, go beyond and talk negatively about God. You see, if we're going to have courage to do what God wants us to do, we need to surround ourselves with people that believe God. We need to be a person that believes God and that believes God for other people. Do you believe the person sitting next to you can be a soul winner? Do you believe the person sitting next to you can have a vibrant relationship with God? Can walk in victory? You see, this matter of courage is so important. And we often don't do what God wants us to do. And I've honed our application primarily when it comes to this matter of soul winning. We just talked about reaching, teaching, and ministering to people. And we all, I think we had a good service last week. I think we were connected, Brother, Brother Gibb. I think we were connected. We said, yeah, that's what we need to be doing. I don't think there's a rebellion. I think we've got to get over fear. And I think we've got to say, okay, God, my priority is going to be your priority. My perspective is going to be your perspective. And the individuals that I look to are going to be people that believe you. And by God's grace, I'm going to believe you. Every generation has faced fear. May God help us to be strong in the Lord. I close with this. In the 16th century, there was a Protestant reformer in England by the name of Hugh Latimer. He was known as a great preacher of his day, and as a result, he had many opportunities to speak. Once he found out that he was to preach before King Henry VIII of England, as he thought about his great responsibility to bring a message before the king, he realized that the message God laid on his heart was not the message the king would want to hear. As he began his sermon, he said to himself, Latimer, Latimer, do you remember that you are speaking before the high and mighty king Henry VIII, who has power to command you to be sent to prison and who can have your head cut off? Please him. Will you not take care to say anything that will offend his royal ears? Then he paused and thought to himself, Latimer, Latimer, do you not remember that you are speaking before the King of kings and Lord of lords, before him, at whose throne Henry VIII will stand, before him to whom one day you will have to give account to yourself? Latimer, Latimer, be faithful to your master and declare all God's word. He faced the choice would he preach what man wanted to hear? Or would he preach what Christ would have him to preach? Latimer took a stand for truth and preached boldly. Eventually, he was martyred by Henry's daughter, Queen Mary. But he pleased the Lord. And that's what it's about, pleasing the Lord. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for your command to be strong and of a good courage.